Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to a journey unlike any other. I'm your typical, uh, okay, maybe not so typical, first-time mom. I want to be your guide in this uncharted territory of what we call parenthood. Now, this isn't your typical parenting podcast. I want this to be completely unfiltered, where we talk about the raw, unspoken realities that many shy away from. I'm not here to tell you what everyone else does, and if that's what you're looking for, maybe you're not at the right place. I'm here to share what they don't. I want to dive into the unspoken truths of parenting. Like I said, what people don't tell you. Maybe because they don't want to tell you. Maybe because it's taboo. Maybe because they're embarrassed. Regardless of the reasons, I want to talk about those things. From difficulties conceiving, pregnancy side effects, okay, if that's what we could call them, sleepless nights, unknown and constant baby illnesses, to the endless diaper changes, to losing friends, to basically everything. There's a lot that often goes left unsaid. I also want to share some of my experiences and insights on what it's truly like behind the Instagram-worthy family photos. So buckle up and get ready to hear all the untold challenges of pregnancy, first-time parenthood, and the wild roller coaster that it is raising a child. What I want this to be is your go-to place for all things parenting where we explore any unspoken truth, any challenge, and obviously the heartwarming moments that come with raising a family. I'm hoping you'll learn tips, tricks, and hacks along the way to make parenting feel a little bit easier. Did I just say easier? Even I had to pause there. Did I just say easier? Maybe that's not the right word, but yes, I want it to feel more manageable or maybe just help you survive until your child's old enough to take care of himself or herself. Now, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble like... Uh, from the get-go, but my brother is 27 years old and he still needs taking care of from my dear mama. What a woman. I love you. I love my mom. But don't let this get to you, because I'll be here for every step along the way, hoping to make even just a slight difference in your life. Thank me later. Let's kick things off with a little background on my own journey into parenthood, right? Because you need to get to know me just a little bit better. I'm going to be cliche for just a second, and I promise I'll try not to be very often because I do not like cliches, but let me just say this, parenthood has a way of reshaping your entire world. I really mean that. It truly is a life-changing event. I'm a first-time mom to a beautiful baby boy, and let me tell you that the whole ride was no fairy tale. When I'm talking about pregnancy especially, it wasn't a smooth ride. It felt long, it wasn't always nice. And yes, there were moments where I downright hated it, hated it. But that's the truth of it, right? Real, raw, and far from the movies or what you might see on social media. This leads me to our first topic, a topic many tiptoe around, pregnancy challenges. We can't talk about parenthood if we don't mention pregnancy first, right? No pregnancy equals no baby, duh. So let's start with that. Pregnancy challenges can mean a lot of things. While some journeys to parenthood might resemble a sprint, for many, it's a marathon that's filled with hurdles, surprises, and moments of anticipation. What I'm trying to say is that the first struggle not many people talk about is getting pregnant, the actual conception aspect. And I do want to address the elephant in the room. Let, let's address it. Let's, let's do it. The expectation versus the reality of getting pregnant. Society often paints a picture of spontaneous conception. Yippee! But for countless couples, the path is far more nuanced. It's a journey, and that journey is filled with emotions, uncertainties, and yes, challenges. 
For many, the process begins with those intimate conversations about starting a family. It's such a beautiful but very delicate subject, filled with hope and perhaps a tinge of anxiety. Are we ready? Is now the right time? These questions echo in our hearts, right, of all those peoples embarking on this chapter. But what about those who face the unspoken struggles? The months that turn into years. The quiet disappointment with each negative test result. Infertility can cast a shadow, and it's a reality that many of us navigate privately. Let's open up this conversation. Let's dispel the stigma and acknowledge the resilience it takes to keep going. Now let me take you back a bit to my own story. My amazing, loving, caring, I could go on forever, grandmother, who actually passed away in September of 2022, was quite the character. Six months before my wedding, yes, six months before my wedding, she told me, with her own set of worries, that I should say farewell to contraception. Now, let me tell you something about my grandmother, a very wise woman, an incredible moment. She touched the heart of so many people, loved by so many people, I I can't even begin to say. But she had her set of worries. She was the type of person that would worry about everyone. And she had her own worries, but she also had everyone else's worries because she decided to take everyone's worries on her shoulder, which just created a ginormous stress ball. And basically, because she knew people who obviously had some fertility issues, she decided that she should advise me to stop contraception. I mean, I'm getting married, right? I'm with the right person. I found the one. Let's do it. That's what she would tell me. And it's also because in her world, the ticking of the biological clock was loud. And she always believed that time was of the essence, right? Different time for them. Especially that we were approaching our 30s. And on top of that, the funny thing is that my doctor had already warned me that it would take around nine months due to various factors for me to actually be able to successfully conceive to get pregnant. She looked at my medical history, my age, etc. Basically, long story short, it's because I had previously stopped contraception methods and after a long 10 months of trying to conceive, I hadn't been able to. So I was told to wait 12 months before seeking medical help. And unfortunately, or or should I say luckily, actually, that previous relationship did end before that time was up. Nevertheless, I took my grandmother's advice, and obviously, two months later, I found out I was pregnant. And did I mention that that was three months before my wedding date? Destination wedding, happening in Paris, everything purchased, wedding dress purchased, talk about a plot twist. Fast forward to today, and the situation has taken an unexpected turn. We have been trying for a second baby, and that's proven to be more challenging than what we anticipated. Like I said, the first time around, or the first first time around, took a while, wasn't able to conceive. The second time around, if I can say, took two months, so that was great, that was amazing. But this time around, it has been more challenging. And we have been tracking ovulation, I have been exploring old wives' tales, every single one in the book actually, but we do find ourselves in the middle of a fertility fertility journey. And that's okay, right? And given all that, I do want to explore the nitty-gritty of conception challenges that no one really talks about. It's essential to note that infertility is much more common than many people might think. Which is why, like I said, and according to medical professionals, it's generally advised to wait for a year. So you have to wait a year of actively trying before seeking medical intervention. The waiting period allows for the natural variability in conception times. 
All that to say that basically we tell you to wait 12 months because the time it takes for a couple to conceive, it varies so much. Some people, look at me, two months. Other people, six months, 10 months, 24 months, four years. Then we're talking in years, right? So it really does vary. But what they have figured out is that the average is a year, which is why we'll tell you that after a year, that's when maybe you should go consult. But what can influence conception? I want to emphasize that while I'm not a medical professional, I am a compulsive researcher, especially on topics that captivate my interest. I can easily lose myself in hours, days, weeks, or even months of extensive online exploration and learning everything there is to know. And my husband actually often teases me about it. He claims that I'm the ultimate Amazon shopper and probably the worst because I meticulously scrutinize every review, no matter how extensive they may be. And let's face it, sometimes there are a lot of reviews to read through. But yep, I'm that person that sits in front of her computer or phone or whatever technology to look at every single review, the one stars, the five stars, the three stars, the whatever stars. Here I am reading them all because I want to make sure that I'm making the right decision, right? And not only the right decision on what I'm purchasing, but also on the product and see if based on what others have said, if it's the right thing for me. So I am the same way when it comes to conception. When something kind of starts getting to my head, I start reading about it. And the medical insights I have re retained that are, I want to say, not the most common, because like I said, I do not want to talk about the most common, but that are the ones that keep coming up in every single medical document that I've read, are the following. So first of all, age. Age matters. Fertility can be influenced by age. And while some individuals do conceive easily, others may face hurdles. So we do say that women are generally most fertile in their early 20s, obviously, right? That sounds kind of like a like an obvious. I mean, you're in your 20s, you're at the peak of your health. Usually you're amazing, usually, right? Obviously there's always exceptions, but usually that is the case. And what we'll say is that fertility gradually declines as we approach 30s and 40s. So that can be something that has been impacting our journey, my first, so pregnancy, I was 29, so I'm still kind of in my 20s, my late 20s, but we're okay. Now that I've hit my 30s, obviously, that can be a factor that's been impacting the reason why we haven't conceived already and as quickly as the first time. So that's just something, obviously, to take in into consideration. It's not like the determinant factor that, oh my gosh, if you're 36, 37, even 40, oh my God, it's the end of the world. You can never conceive again. No, that's not what that means. But it is something that you should keep in mind and not get frustrated about. So if you see that you are struggling a little bit to conceive and that you are maybe a little bit older, whether you're a woman or even male, and that actually brings me to my second insight my second factor but just to tell yourself that age is something to take into into consideration so if it's only been two three four months that you're trying to conceive and you haven't been able to give yourself a chance and take time to you know just chill and to see like uh to take into consideration that maybe your age is a, a playing factor and just give yourself time like i said my second factor would be the male factor it's not just about women. Male factors contribute to fertility challenges as well. It could be issues with sperm quality or quantity, and all that will have an impact on conception. And I do want to say that it is a common misconception that fertility is only a female concern. It's not. There's a ton of studies that suggest that male fertility also decreases with age, and advanced paternal age may impact sperm quality and fertility rates. So do keep that in mind. 
Another thing that can impact is obviously health conditions. So any medical health conditions like PCOS, endometriosis, I have to say that slowly because I always have trouble pronouncing it, irregular menstrual cycles, all that can be something affecting fertility. And in those cases, obviously, seeking professional advice to address the issues is crucial. Another uh, factor concerning health would be body weight. And I'm talking about whether it's being underweight or overweight. Both of those can disrupt hormonal balances, which could potentially impact ovulation in women and sperm production in men. You two guys, you're just as involved or the cause of all this as we can be. And something else, obviously, is lifestyle factors. So we're always talking about lifestyle factors, lifestyle choices, whether it's smoking, excessive alcohol consumption, again, obesity, right? Even though it was mentioned, extreme stress, all that can impact fertility for both men and women. So making those positive lifestyle changes can play a significant role. Now, those were like the medical ones I guess what's kind of what has some sort of medical backing obviously there's a lot of other factors other things you can do to increase your chances of conception um and I'm talking about the basics again would be ovulation tracking and basal temperature which I won't go into detail because like I said I don't want this to be the place where you hear what you already know but those are things that you can do that can help we're also talking about nourishing your body obviously take a closer look at your diet ensure you're getting a balance of nutrients including folate iron omega-3 fatty acids all that uh, your lifestyle once again you do need to pay attention to lifestyle factors Reduce stress. I mean, there's a ton of activities you can do to reduce stress. Yoga, meditation, all of that can help. Um, and when we talk about lifestyle, it's also important when we talk about caffeine. Now, easier said than done in this case, because like I said, as a first-time mom, caffeine has been a lifesaver for me. But obviously, limiting caffeine intake can help. Avoiding excessive alcohol consumption as well. And sleep, 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 sleep. Now, sleep, 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 sleep. Again, I should probably listen to my own advice because the quality of sleep is crucial for overall health and it does appear to play a role in fertility as well. This might seem for some like a small adjustment, which could make a significant difference and for others, <clears throat> me, like a bigger adjustment. But I mean, even just trying to have a couple minutes more a night, I have been working on that and having a partner that's with you obviously is key. It's important because he has been helping me a lot in in order to make that goal possible for me to be able to get more sleep, which obviously has been impacting his sleep. But you know what? You can't have it all. But yes, sleep is very important. Another thing, obviously, timing is key. Haha, <laughs> I bet you think I'm going to talk to you about timing, but I'm not. Timing is key, but so is relaxation. So tracking your fertile window is crucial, but it's just as important not to let the process become stressful. I feel like I've said stress so many times already since the beginning of this, but it's so important because stress can impact f fertility. It does. So we need to find ways to keep the journey enjoyable and stress-free. Now, another element that a lot of people maybe don't think about, and I actually found this one out and was quite surprised, is to check your lubricant. Now, believe it or not, but the type of lubricant you use can influence conception. So what they do say online is to opt for a fertility-friendly lubricant or a natural alternative to avoid hindering sperm mobility. So it can have an impact on those little sperms swimming, swimming, swimming. It can reduce their speed. It can also affect them being able to reach their destination. So definitely consider that. I know that that's one thing that not a lot of people usually look into, but don't forget that, so be mindful of that. Another thing, and this might be an old wives' tale, but to consider lying down for 15 to 20 minutes. So a post-intimacy habit that you can try, 
you have nothing to lose trying this one. Um, it's just basically to lie down, whether you put your legs up, although that, again, is an old wife's tale to put your legs up and stay like that for hours. That is not necessary. But just to consider lying down for 15 to 20 minutes because that simple step can give a sperm a better chance of reaching so their final destination. Just elevating your hips slightly can aid in the process. So you can try that. Nothing to lose. Another thing that is important is to know your body. Uh, you should familiarize yourself with your menstrual cycle. And I'm talking about beyond ovulation. So I'm not talking about tracking the ovulation. I'm really talking about understanding your body signals and changes through the month. Some people are a lot more sensitive to these changes. I do want to. I do have one of my best friends that is extremely sensitive to her body. She is able to tell when she's ovulating. She gets like this pain uh, near like her ovaries and she just knows it and she has tested and she is right. She also knew exactly when conception happened, which is pretty amazing. Like she is so aware with her body. I'm not so much, but I have been trying to, you know, track a little bit more of what's happening when I have headaches, when I have nausea, when I see a change in, in cervical mucus, all that, you know, all that can help just knowing your body and trying to really be aware of the signals that can help right it can empower you in your conception journey something else which kind of which seems obvious right is again and it's obviously weight related but just to stay active but now staying active in moderation regular exercise is definitely beneficial but extreme workouts have been proven to impact fertility so you should definitely find a balance that suits your body and that's going to contribute to your overall well-being not only physically but it could be emotionally it could be psychologically just move you know now we're not saying to go run a marathon no just try to find some time to walk i did read that someone who integrated six kilometers which does seem like a lot but six kilometers a week now i'm not talking about a day six obviously a day you know if you can that's great but a week has helped in the overall well-being and that person thinks that that may have had an impact on the success of conception so just something to keep in mind now when we're talking about like all this medical stuff i do want to repeat that if you've actively been trying for an extended period of time without success usually we say 12 months do consider seeking medical advice from a fertility specialist now it's okay to seek advice it's okay to realize that you are having issues that's all okay and you're not alone once again um, but it is good so we do say 12 months on average you know a little later is okay, but basically what they do say is try not to wait five years before telling yourself, oh, maybe there's a problem and I should go seek intervention. No, it has shown that early intervention can address potential issues and can provide guidance tailored to your situation and obviously can be a huge time saver, right? Instead of waiting those five years and not understanding why it's not working when you've tried everything, maybe professional guidance would have told you that you had a certain underlying medical condition that could have been resolved really quickly and then it'll happen and fast so basically don't be afraid to seek professional guidance when needed don't be shy don't feel embarrassed it's completely normal and you are not alone once again obviously every individual is unique and what works for one may not work for another so incorporating these tips into your lifestyle coupled with patience obviously a positive mindset can help put the odds in your favor What's interesting, and I do still want to talk about it also, is I did read about some more unique tips. Like I said, I want to be unique. I want to talk about what people won't tell you and things that are not commonly shared. But I did read about these, and although they aren't commonly shared, they could potentially boost your chances of conception. But I do want to say keep an open mind with these. Um, the first that I read about was some moonlight, moonlight romance. So 
it would be to consider syncing intimate moments with the lunar cycle. Some people do believe that the moon's energy can influence fertility. So why not add a touch of celestial magic to your conception journey, right? What do you have to lose? You could always try that. Others also mentioned some feng shui. I hope I'm mentioning that right. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I apologize if I'm not. Uh, it's basically the whole yin and yang theory. Some say that creating a balanced environment might positively impact the energy in the space, contributing to a more favorable setting for conception. There's a lot of articles and details on the subject on Google that you could go look, uh, look that you could go read about, and it can actually help just in your everyday, so day-to-day -day stuff. It's not only for conception. They do have a lot of theories just for like a more positive life, a more positive, positive vibes, positive lifestyle. There's a lot of information on the subject. If you're curious, you should definitely go read about it. Another tip that I have read about is herbal allies. So it's trying to incorporate fertility-friendly herbs, 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 into your routine. And we're talking about, just to name a few examples, raspberry leaf tea, which is actually also great for the end of pregnancy, which I'll probably talk about again at some other point because I was a huge fan of raspberry leaf tea. We're talking about red clover, nettle, all those are believed by some to support reproductive health. Uh, you can always consult a herbalist also or a healthcare professional for guidance, which is obviously always advised. Again, it depends on your own particular situation. Not everybody could take these supplements, so make sure that they're okay with you prior to taking them. Something else uh, that I did read a lot about is laughter. Laughter, laughter, laughing, laughing therapy. I like laughing better than laughter. I feel like laughter is so hard to say, but laughing therapy. So they do say that laughing is the best medicine. And it might just be the case for fertility too. At least that's what some people say. And it's actually funny because we do get it. It's actually funny, but it is funny because we use laughing gas, right? Even uh, for stuff like pregnancy or just in hospitals in general for any medical procedure, we do use laughing gas. And it's there's a reason why it's called laughing gas, right? It's because we say that everything's better when you're laughing a little bit. Life is just much better when you incorporate humor into your life. So do incorporate it. Watch funny movies with your partner. Try to attend a comedy show. All that is good. Laughing reduces stress and it could foster a positive atmosphere, which is obviously what we want when trying to conceive. Something else that I read about that piqued my curiosity that I thought was really interesting is gemstone energies. Apparently... You can explore the use of gemstones associated with fertility. So they say that moonstone or rose quartz, quartz, quartz. <laughs> Some people believe that these crystals can harness positive energies and create an atmosphere that promotes conception. So as you can see, I mean, the what we can see that's very similar in all of these is that we're always talking about reducing stress and fostering a positive atmosphere. So that is important. And obviously I can go on and on with these unique tips. People don't talk much about these because I think they don't have an adequate scientific backing. So like I said in the beginning, it's essential to approach them with an open mind, right? If you're the type of person that doesn't believe in any of this, then you're just setting yourself up, setting yourself up for failure. So I wouldn't even try them. But if you're someone with more of an open mind, you are, you know, someone who believes in astrology, someone who you know, is just sensitive to all these things, that's a believer, then definitely try them. I mean, again, you have nothing to lose. It's free to try, right? So you can always try and who knows, maybe, just maybe, it could be what you needed. Because all of these, I think, are also just a way of letting go. 
of just making you let go of think of something else of basically find I don't want to say hope but find something in something else so instead of stressing so much on tracking ovulation and tracking your basal temperature and when when is my fertile window and oh my god all that it's making you let go and I think that that's the point it's to reduce the stress and once again to stay in a very positive atmosphere positive energy positive vibes it is important though to recognize that everyone's journey is unique so challenges may arise but the strength lies in seeking support and understanding once again that you're not alone in my case I stopped being afraid of what people would think because you know I'm going through it so I do know that it can be embarrassing to talk openly about something like this. Society puts this sort of pressure on us that we should be so quick at conceiving and it should be super easy. And basically what we see in the movies or on social media, and that's not reality. And my reality is not your reality. And that's okay. That's what makes my life story unique. And I'm okay with that. What I'm trying to say and what I want you to know is that I'm here no matter what. The journey of conception can be a roller coaster. It is a roller coaster. It's filled with uncertainties and unexpected turns. And I'm realizing as my husband and I navigate our own fertility journey, we're finding ourselves in a space of unknowns. We're unsure of our next steps. We haven't reached the 12 month mark yet, but we're still, you know, we're still exploring. We're still trying to see what's going on, why, the why, the how, the when, etc. All that, we're asking ourselves questions, which I think is a good thing. And it's also important to be aware that secondary infertility is a thing. It's not uncommon for couples who have successfully conceived before to face what we call secondary infertility when trying for another child. Various factors, including age, health changes, all that can contribute to this phenomenon, but it is a real thing and we are aware of that. And I think that with every issue, with every problem, there is always a solution. And the first step is to be aware of what's going on. Just to be aware and that can already really help in a lot of ways. So in our waiting period, in this waiting period that we're facing, we've also realized the importance of managing stress. I have mentioned stress a lot. And it's easy to get caught up in the pressure of timing, tracking, and making everything happen really quickly. It's okay to seek emotional support and there's a growing acknowledgement of the impact fertility struggles can have on mental health and it's important to realize that, that it can impact your mental health and it's important to talk about it. It's so important. The first way to feel better about something is to talk about it. And I've actually witnessed so what stress can do firsthand. I've witnessed a close friend's experience and the stress of fertility took a toll on her and her partner that you can't even imagine. It became a relentless cycle of tracking, of timing, and almost forcing the process, turning what should be a super enjoyable experience into a chore. My advice, and the advice that I gave her and that I'm giving to anyone else facing similar challenges, is to let go. Let go. Conception is not a race. It's a journey that requires patience and most importantly, an enjoyable, stress-free approach. Tracking ovulation, tracking temperature, yes, it, it could be helpful, but the essence of the journey shouldn't be lost. Sex, let's say it, sex, should remain a source of joy and connection, not a task to complete. It's not something that you need to check off at the end of your day. No, it should be much more than that. And I know that this aspect is also somewhat taboo. It's often not openly discussed. And what I mean is, 
the primary goal of intimate moments is typically associated with procreation, right? So a lot of people will see getting intimate as just procreating. I know um, that addressing this topic of sexual pleasure and the connection to fertility, it's not commonly part of mainstream conversations. And that's probably because in many cultures, discussions about sex, especially in the context of fertility, it can be considered private or even taboo. But encouraging open conversations about the emotional and intimate side of conception. So what I'm trying to say, <laughs> I lost my train of thought, but I think that we should encourage open conversations. That's what I was saying. So that if we talk about it, if um, we have these conversations that not a lot of people have or want to have, but talking about the emotional and intimate side of conception and of the conception journey, that could help break down these taboos and create a more supportive and understanding environment for couples facing fertility challenges. Ugh, but I got off track here. Back to my friend's story. I did urge her to take a step back, to prioritize self-care, to nurture her relationship, and just to go with the flow. And guess what? Two months later, two months, again, pretty quick, after months and months, I, I think it was even over a year of trying to conceive, two months later, she found herself pregnant. And she now has a beautiful, healthy baby boy. This is your reminder that sometimes the mental aspect of conception plays a significant role. So let's collectively take a moment to chill. Remember the end goal and let go of the intense pressure we put on ourselves for conception to happen quickly. It's not a race. It's a journey. And good things truly come to those who wait. Let's embrace the process. Enjoy the rise and trust that what's meant to be will happen in its own time. As I wrap up this episode, I do want to express my deepest gratitude for joining me on this journey into the uncharted territories of parenthood. Again, let's embrace the process. Let's find joys in the small victories, as small as they can be. And trust that in its own time, your story will unfold. If you've resonated with anything discussed today, or if you have any insights to share, I'd love to hear from you. I'm always open to hear your stories. I love reading stories. I love to hear other people's experiences. You can always drop me a message on my new Instagram account, which is at make parenting easy so hashtag make parenting easy or on my facebook page with the same name at make parenting easy make parenting easy and definitely stay tuned for more honest conversation personal stories and valuable insights in the episodes to come we're in this together we're supporting each other through the highs and the lows of parenthood until next time take care of yourself cherish the moments and remember you are not alone Goodbye for now, and I look forward to sharing more with you in the next episodes. Thank you so much.